Hey, it's Claire here. Can I ask you a question? What would you rate your sales skill from 1 to 10? Sales skill is the key factor to success no matter what you do. Would you like to know what proven sales strategies to grow your business? In this episode, our guest Rachel, a sales coach, she's going to share some proven techniques and strategy to help you to boost sales and foster long-term business growth. Are you ready to take some note? And let's get started. Welcome to the Digital Bosses Podcast with Joseph and Claire. Our definition of be your own boss means showing up for yourself so you can show up for everyone and everything personally and professionally. So congratulations on showing up, boss. We created the Digital Bosses Podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you start, grow, and build a purposeful online business. If you are a business owner, creator, looking to build an impactful brand that makes a difference you are in the right place so let's say it in hello rachel welcome to the digital bosses podcast how are you hey i'm doing wonderful how are you guys doing very well hello claire how are you hello hello oh my god first the topic is keep me excited and obvious to guess rachel i mean we have some collaboration last year and i'm so excited to have you in the studio again oh my god oh i'm excited Today, we're talking about sales. If you're tuning in right now and you're wondering what the hell are they talking about, we're talking about sales. We're talking about sales. We're talking about how sales are transforming from offline to online. And Rachel is the right person to dive into this because she has a lot of experience in sales. But at the same time, she did a lot of pivoting throughout COVID and she really changed her career in a way that is remarkable. So I would love you to start, Rachel, by sharing a little bit more about you who you are, what you do, and what's your superpower? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I am Rachel Sa. I am a retail sales coach. So I specifically focus on retail, so brick and mortar product-based business. And I am based up in Seattle, Washington. And I would say I am, my superpower would be, I have a really good ability to read a room quick and assess like through body language, through tone, through energy, what's happening. And, um, yeah, I would say that's my superpower. That's a very good skill to have, actually. You know, I have to say, I don't know about you, Claire, but we, I've been across, I came across a lot of people in my career that didn't know how to read a room. So that's a very good one to have. That is an absolutely, like, a skill that most people to have because if you can actually start to sense it, you know, the type of people you're going to deal with, especially in sales, in retail, you have to have that five, six seconds right away of how to really approach people, which I think Rachel really bring that in. And actually that really linked to the next question, because I know you have so much experience in the retail world. And then obviously, I mean, I know you pretty much by heart, you know, but I, I think the audience, the listener will really love to know, like, what is your background and how did you get into sales? So I accidentally fell into it. I think a lot of us can relate to that. We kind of end up on a path we're not expecting. At the time, I was a university student. I was studying journalism and writing a newspaper article about new store openings at the local mall. And so one of them happened to be this jewelry store. And I ended up interviewing the store manager for it. And she, when I went back after the article was published, I gave her a copy and she said, why don't you come work for us? And I was like, oh, like I didn't expect to get a job out of this, right? Especially in jewelry. And so I ended up working for this company for about almost a decade. And while I was with them, I ended up working my way up into assistant manager, into acting manager at one point, and also store manager. 
And so through this time, I ended up learning a lot about people and communication, right, in different forms, right? Not only just journalism, but also face-to-face. And, and learn what it really took to develop these skills, these communication skills, and also how to be a leader, right, in the sales world and uh, sell a high-end product. And so uh, as a result, as a store manager, I ended up managing two stores. And my first one was a million-dollar store that was down on the year and it, turning it around. And my second store was a multi-million-dollar store. And I also had a lot of success there, record sales month. And I uh, was able, as a result, to mentor another manager how to run their store and was doing onboarding. So um, I know that's kind of a whole story, but I think we can all relate to starting in a job and working our way up and, and something that we didn't expect to find ourselves in, but also developing a lot of skills as a result of it. I agree. And to be honest, speaking personally, I had the same experience because I fell in love with beauty because I had skin issues and I had a really bad skin problem. And I became passionate about beauty because I wanted to fix my skin. And then it turned out that LVMH had a talent acquisition group that you could join. And I applied for it. And I started working for Sephora. And that's where my career started. But later did I know that was going to be the path for my career for the next 10 years because I worked in beauty for a very long time. And I do relate to the fact that you kind of feel you found your call you want to work your way up, and I relate to that very much. Shall I want to ask you, we have been through a lot of changes in the last two years due to COVID. And, you know, retail, of course, has been one of the biggest markets that's been impacted. A lot of store closed and a lot of things went online. And I have a question for you, which I'm really interested, because coming from the same background from you, as you in a different industry, I always am curious to know what people think. But where do you think retail is heading right now? In, in sales in general? What do you think people are looking for at this particular stage? So first of all, I want to say that retail is very much alive and thriving. And um, I want to give you a little perspective here too. So I was actually invited. So I haven't worked at the Find Dollar Company for several years now. And I was invited to come back during the holiday season and help out for one month, seasonal part-time. I'm very part-time. And so it was very interesting to actually be back in that space because when I was there, it was right when COVID was happening. And then I was back after and I can tell you that consumers are very much buying. There's always going to be a need to want to buy things, right? Especially a luxury item like jewelry. Like, it makes us feel good. Um, but anyways, there's a lot happening right now. And I think it's really an exciting time. It's an exciting to really try something new and really reimagine what it looks like to be in retail, to sell a product. Uh, I do believe that the way we shop retail is going to have to change. I think it's going to be very based in client experience. And the experience of being in a store and buying a product is going to become more important. It's not going to be just going in to buy a product. It's got to be bigger. And so I think that a couple of things we're going to see, and I actually just sent out my newsletter about this, so how timely. Um, you're going to start seeing more mixed-use spaces. So maybe you've seen this where... Um, you know, like living, community, shopping is all in one place, which is a very interesting and reimagined way of going into retail. Like you're not going to a mall where it's all just shops, right? Maybe some food, but people are actually living at the mall, perhaps. I think that you're going to see more um, creative in-store experiences. Like as a result of COVID, we've seen more in-store pickup. We've seen curbside pickup. I think that's going to continue as a way to kind of meet people where they're at, right? Which is exciting. I think this is a really good opportunity. And 
a lot of stores, I know Target and Walmart, they're looking at, well, how can we bring this idea bigger? How can we rebuild our stores so that we can handle this, right? It really, you have to give people that reason to want to come in. And that comes down to the experience of how they interact with you when they're in store and, and what you're what you're offering. It's really interesting that you mentioned this because I read an article a few weeks ago about a big department store in London called John Lewis. This department store is one of the most famous in the country. And what they did during COVID, they started to close some of their stores because they were not performing as well. And essentially with these brands, the difficulty is that the brand is divided into you have the clothing and the furniture, and then you have the supermarket side, the grocery store. It's all in the same company. So of course, the a part of the supermarket did really well during COVID, but their rent was struggling. So what did they decide to do? They decided to invest in the experience. So they turned some of the stores into apartments and co-working spaces. So, and I was reading something about it the other day that they are looking to change the way they, customers will be able to interact with the store. So you're going to be able to do click and collect on the whole of the apartment and have a little bit of a showroom and you can leave upstairs if you wanted to. And also you have the opportunity to um, try and experience different type of furniture from the brand because they will be using the same furniture into the houses. Of course, this will be more of a corporate kind of living, I will say. It wouldn't probably be a family-driven type of service. But I think it's a really interesting avenue how, for example, retail and, you know, real estate, if you will, kind of combine between the two. And I remember I went through a very interesting seminar in the UK last year about this guy that talks about retail experiences and very similar to what you just said, he's from the UK, but he lives in the US. And he talked about something that Amazon did, funny enough, in Seattle. They are top performing products on Amazon and the best reviewed, and they turn it into a product for the store. So you can go to the store and you can see the top sellers in there. You can touch it. And it's all about the experience. I don't know if you've been there, uh, Claire or Rachel, if you guys have. We do. We do actually. But ironically, the Amazon store here at the local mall closed. Right. They're gone, which is really interesting. Uh, but yes, being that Amazon is from Seattle, we definitely see quite a big presence of it around. That's amazing. I mean, I love the experience you both have brought because I have grown up in retail because I, I actually started my first job when I used to work for um, makeup artists for XD Lauder. That was back in my 1920. And so years gone by, I I mean, now I think about it, it's like, oh my God, like imagine, you know, retails used to be built in the big mall and like plaza. And sometimes I, you people just started to get very tired, like, you know, going to the mall and then there's like store after another store. And I, I also can experience the uh, when Joseph mentioned about John Lewis, because I spent a period of time living in London at the time as well, you know, and then literally travel from different department store, working for different beauty brands. And it's very interesting how we see retail have really shipped, especially the last several years. Uh, there are lots of stores. Brick and Morton has been driving. And, you know, there's also many retail stores have closed, like department store, luxury brands. I mean, in Canada, for example, like Saks Avenue, they actually have closed several stores. And um, for even Hudson Bates, right? They're the sister companies. And during COVID, actually, they were really struggling with the sales. So that actually really linking to my next question, because I think, may, like Rachel, you can really dive into what is your 
uh, take on the biggest mistake brands make with sales methods. Some make it, you know, and they can thrive. They can continue to be revenue, but some, they just die after, especially, you know, and they are also predicting, as I read an article, the next several years, a lot of big brands and unfortunately, a lot of luxury department stores will be closing down. And we started to see that. So what is the biggest mistake that you can actually share with us when it comes to sales math? So that is an awesome question. I love it. I do want to say two things, though, before I answer that. It all relates, right? Um, first of all, I love, Claire, that you said we often think of retail as being a store at the mall. And I think we have to really, again, going back to my word, reimagine that. Because retail is not just being at a mall. It can look so different depending um, what you're selling, right? Like we're seeing it pop up everywhere. So um, I just, I definitely want to say when we think of retail, let's try to get that out of our head, right? So if you're listening to this, it's not just about going to a mall. Um, And then second, I wanted to say, I recently read an article about Barnes & Noble. And they're actually reopening stores this year because there's been such a demand for books which I find really fascinating. Barnes & Noble, right? How often do bookstores with their technology? And so to me, that says that's great, but they're going to have to think about the experience of being in store and what that can look like. It's not just going to be about going in to buy a book. It's got to be So going back to your question then, Claire, what is a mistake or what do I often see that might be affecting your sales? Because I would say there's a couple things. I think one, we often wait for customers to find us. And I like to say, if you are waiting, you're going to be waiting a long time for people to come in. You know, just because your doors are open for the day, maybe, you know, like, let's just say my experience, 10 a.m., they open every day. It doesn't mean people walk through the door, right? You have to pick up the phone. You have to deliver on the experience. You have to give people that reason to really want to come in and see you because it is really easy to go online, right? Um, I would also say oftentimes when I go shopping, a lot of people stand behind the counter and wait for customers to come up to them even in that sense. But it's really hard to build a rapport when you're behind a counter. And here's a little sales psychology for you. Um, When you are behind the counter and you're helping a customer, you are establishing a barrier. You're saying, I'm here to sell you and that's it. And so a better way to overcome that is to come around the counter and actually talk to them person to person, right? Like you would a friend and start building some rapport and a relationship. And I you know, like how often have we walked into a store and everyone in that store is standing behind the counter? It's kind of intimidating and you might actually not even go in as a result of it. And so break out, break apart, you know, like meet people where they are literally. Um, and then I would also, I would also say there's so much focus on just making any sale instead of focusing on what's in front of you and how to deepen it, right? Like, so that's talking about like more client retention and like, I think we see this a lot, too, with, like, cold pitching and cold emails. Like, we're so focused on just making a sale. Um, and we often forget how that relates to online space, too, right? Um, but we forget about just talking and having a conversation with people in front of us. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because I do relate to this a lot. I relate to so many points. And I hate saying that because I used to work in retail. But the people behind the counter speaking and not engaging with a client is just a horrible thing to see. And, you know, it's not ideal. And I do agree about the barrier. And especially for specific products, I think it works even more. And it's 
even more terrible when they do it. Because, for example, you probably can get away with it if you are in a clothing store. You cannot get away in a jewelry store or in a skincare store because you need that contact with a person. And when I used to do training in sales, I used to say, well, think about what you're selling. It doesn't always have to be the new launch. And I know that might be the focus for some company. You know, they always have a focus of the month. We all know how it works. But at the end of the day, what you really want to create is a routine for that client. You know, used to work in skincare, people will come back to the routine. They will not probably come back to one product. And that's a specific way of doing it. It's about packaging something that is sustainable for that person. And sometimes this might include the new launch, sometimes it might not. And that's okay because it's tailored to the experience. And this is what people come for is the experience. In my shopping experience changed so much in the last couple of years after COVID. So I want to ask you, what is your shopping experience looking like right now? Shop more online? Do you guys shop more in store? I'm curious. You know, I being in retail, I was always so hard. Like, I'm going to shop in person. I'm going to support this. But I think over the years, I mean, it's inevitable. You're still shopping online. Interesting is a lot of people, and I, I see this too, is they shop online, but they return in the store, which means that there's still a need for in-person but then when they return it, what experience are you delivering in that moment to make them actually want to come back and see you? It, it's like when someone comes in and goes, do you have this item? And you say, yes, here it is. Is there anything else you want to see? And they go, no, that's it. And you're like, great, I'll go meet you at the register. To me, that's clerking. It's literally just helping what they asked for. Um, yeah, it's a close question. There's no any way for you to add anything else. Exactly. And so, okay, well, and then the other side, sales, right, would be like, okay, well, what made you choose this item? What brought you in? Who is it for? When are you planning to give it? Like, there's so many, like, open-ended questions you could be asking. And so to me, like, like I was just saying, like, even returning, that is an opportunity to turn it into a repeat customer, to still sell them, right? Like, there's obviously a reason that they bought it. It didn't work. And maybe you have the solution if you just asked. Um, so that's another sales mistake that kind of came into that. But I love how you explain that. It's very true. And I have to say, it's made me think about so many episodes back in the days that I used to have. So for example, when I used to work in fashion, we have a lot of people come in to do a click and collect. They would buy online, collect in store. And I always thought, well, if I'm taking time out of my day in the store to serve somebody that already made a purchase, I need to upsell something. Otherwise, I don't feel accomplished and I always will ask the person to check the box to make sure everything was okay so when you collect it make sure the dress is the right size make sure the shoes are okay make sure there's no faultiness when I see the product would be like oh my goodness I think you should match it with this and that and 87% of the time I will always sell something and the reason why is because people are already there they don't feel like you push it to them to sell something because they already bought something and there is less pressure in interaction and more rewarding on the actual product that you're trying to sell because they can see that you're coming from a place of service, which is what people want to feel. They want to feel special, which doesn't happen if people are scripted, just like Rachel said. I think that's a very interesting point. And another thing that I want to touch on, it's about the shopping experience and how pop-up stores are becoming more and more popular. Here's the big shift that happened during COVID. A lot of brands did incredibly well online. We are talking about companies that went from zero to two or three millions within the first year, just because of COVID and because of the fact that they were at the right time in the right place. But here's the thing. They build a very good revenue. They reach a really good amount of people. They created a community online, but there is one piece that is lacking, which is the experience, the human connection, just like what we touched right now. 
And what happened and what it's happening more and more, and I see this in the UK, but I started to see this in the US as well, it's how people are very much looking forward to the experience with the online store going to offline. So that's why you're gonna see a lot of pop store, a lot of pop-up store coming up and having that, you know, fear of missing out moment where people can shop all in those two days and they have a goodie bag and I've seen a few brands doing it in London with beauty brands. There was a couple of brands that I work with that exploded during COVID that went massive. And in 2021, they did this amazing event for two days in the central London where people were going, the press was going, influencers were going, and people still post pictures about that event. And this is how you shift from going online to offline. One extra point, and then I will leave the mic to Claire. It's about the way the budget is considered for retail. There is a big shift on that as well. So there are a few brands in China. Uh, one of them is called Gentle Monster. And what they do, they use their retail budget as part of the marketing budget. What does it mean? They will open stores that have the purpose to deliver an experience. And this will go to the marketing budget, meaning that their main priority in that store isn't selling, but it's about delivering an experience. And it's about making sure people know the store is there. So the sales, the sales associate will be there, but they're, it's, they, they're called an experience ambassador, which I think is fantastic. They work with the idea that you go there, the store is really cool, you have statues, you have sculpture, 3D statues. So it's really eye-catching and they want people to share on social media. They want people to create content on there. And this is the marketing budget. So we're talking about a store that is physical, but has the purpose to deliver a sale online. There's also another avenue and another twist that you can think about if you're working online or offline in sales. And, you know, we could talk about this for hours, but I thought that was really interesting. I love it. And thank you so much for sharing your feedback. So to wrap up this conversation, how can people find you, Rachel? Yeah, so I tend to be much more present on Instagram because I love the visual aspect of it. Uh, but you can also find me on LinkedIn. My handle is Rachel Morgan Coaching. And I think you guys will probably put that in the notes, I'm sure, so you can see how I spell it. Yeah. Um, and you can also find me on my website. If you're in the Seattle area, I love to meet people in person for coffee. It's probably the most Seattle thing or a glass of wine, which is also a very Washington thing. <laughs> uh, so definitely reach out. I love to connect and meet. All right, that is it for today. Now, that was a jam-packed episode full of value just for you. But let me tell you a secret. The best conversations actually happen after the show over at the Digital Bosses page on Instagram. You're more than welcome to join the tribe there. We have incredible conversations and it's full of action take care business owners just like you. So we cannot wait to see you there. Plus, if you are looking to support us and you would like to let us know what are your thoughts about today's show, Take a screenshot of the episode, tag us on your Instagram story, and let us know your feedback. We share each and every one of our listeners, and we cannot wait to share yours too. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you with Claire, same time, same place, next week.